ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. What is going on, Zips fans and SPT enthusiasts from near and far? My name is Logan Congrove, and I'm your host today for a special reason, which I will shout out here shortly. Joining me today on this beautiful Sunday morning at the University of Akron, he's the biggest Zips fan that I know, and unfortunately a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. (laughs) We got Pat Weber. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Logan? I'm doing fantastic. And on the other end of the desk, she's back making her second appearance here on Sports Power Talk. It's Lana Sal. Lana. How are you this morning? Hello, I'm doing wonderful. It's a really beautiful day, so excited for that. Awesome. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Obviously, it is Super Bowl Sunday. You know we're going to get into that at the end of our show. We'll be talking NBA trade deadline, talking a lot about our Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course, Hot Mike. We'll have Around the Rue, and of course, your Akron Zips. At the beginning of the show, top of the hour, Zips men's and women's basketball. It's going to be a great show for you guys. Are you ready? I am. But before we get into the show, I did want to give a shout-out as to the reason why I'm hosting this week. Our normal host and sports director, Jake Murren, who is also the host of podcast Forged in Ohio, which, if you don't know what that is, is a mixed martial arts podcast that Jake runs, interviewing local fighters from around the area. Jake is at a DB-trained event at Immortal Martial Arts this morning with Forged in Ohio as the main provider of media. So huge props to Jake. That is why he isn't on our show this morning. If you want to check out his podcast, it is available on all major platforms. It's called Forge in Ohio. Absolute round of applause to him. But now let's get into the sports, starting off with, like I said, the Akron Zips. First off, we're going to do a little bit of a recap with the Toledo game from Tuesday. Didn't go the Zips way after a big win over Kent State. Final was 84-74. to 74. Pat, I'll start with you. What are some things you took away from that game? Um, wow, I mean, coming off of obviously our biggest win arguably of this season against Kent State to go in against Toledo you know we were favored to win we uh, probably should have won that game um, obviously the officiating that game if uh, you were present at that game or viewing that game um, the referees were just downright horrible they called everything against the zips it doesn't help when uh, Enrique Freeman got in foul trouble early. He ended up with four. Greg Tribble ended up fouling out. Trenton Hankerson had four. You know, when you look at the fouls, like I said, the fouls alone were horrid because uh, Toledo only had 12 fouls on them the entire game, and the Zips had 23. 
Um, now, Toledo did outperform us, shooting 52% from the field and 50% from three when we only shot 40.9% from the two and 34.4% from the three. But I don't think that this game, even though, um, like I said, the officiating was very, very... Um, awful. Um, I don't think that this game is a horrible loss for the Zips because it shows that, you know, even when we uh, are, so, uh, even when we're faced with the adversity of, you know, these things do happen, um, we can always step up and we always can uh, always take that extra step to play well. I think we stepped it up big time at the end of the game, um, so I don't think I would take this loss too heavily. Uh, I actually view this as a win. We played very, very well, um, but like I said, it was just mainly those those fouls just in there. We got into foul trouble way too early, way too often, sent them to the line, and that's ultimately what led to our loss. Absolutely. Lana, you're a pretty big Zips fan yourself. I see you at all the games. What did you take away from this Toledo matchup? Um, I was definitely really proud of Trendon Hankerson. He dropped 20 points and uh, already kind of, as Pat was saying, you know, we were facing adversity because Enrique Freeman, who's a big player, only contributed 10 points and is because he was in that foul trouble and things like that. So definitely I'm proud of Trendon for stepping up and it wasn't a huge loss for sure because even with the adversity, like Pat said, we still only lost by 10 points. So again, that was definitely, it, it, it was totally be a winnable game if Enrique would would have been, you know, more active in there to then trip, to then like, you know, do his average of like, you know, 20 and 10 and sometimes even 20 and 20 for 20 points and 20 rebounds. Absolutely. And Alex Henry and I actually had the pleasure of covering this game for WZIP Sports. And we got the opportunity to talk to John Gross after the game. And John Gross did mention when I asked him about the questionable officiating, he said, obviously, it's something that the Zips can't control. And then he flipped the discussion over to Toledo's Maddox and his shooting performance. What did you guys take away from the shooting from Toledo and how it affected the Akron Zips? They were just lights out. I mean, like I said, they were shooting over 50% from both the three and from the field in general. Um, they did a really good job of shooting um, as few threes as possible. I was very surprised about that. Normally when I've seen Toledo play in the past, they come out of the gate just firing threes. But instead they looked to attack inside because they knew that if they can get Enrique Freeman in foul trouble, you're taking away arguably the largest, or if not the largest, at least the second largest piece of our offense when he goes out of the game. Um, I also think that we took way too many threes. We shot way too many threes, and... You know, it doesn't really help when X, when he's cold from three, um, we do rely on him. He is our main guy to go to when it comes to, uh, to the three ball, and he only went three for 11. Not a great look at all. But in terms of everything, I just think that Toledo, as much as I don't want to admit it, they did outperform us uh, when it came to just overall team chemistry in that game. I think that they moved the ball without flaw. Um, there were minimal turnovers by them. And honestly, uh, when you sit down and look at it, when they had 14 assists across the board as a team at the end of the game, that's... That's a pretty high number that you see in college basketball. You don't really see the assist totals piling up to that number. Um, so seeing them move the ball like that just kind of showed that uh, we kind of let the switches happen too easily. I really picked up on everyone kind of mentioning that uh, they were doing a really good job of actually making sure that Enrique would switch onto a guard because they knew that if they got a small guy on him, you know, obviously going to be a little bit faster than Enrique. They can beat him off the dribble and then get him in foul trouble. Of course. Lana, what did you take away from Maddox's shooting performance for the Toledo Rockets, and how did you see that it affected the Akron Zips? Yeah, their shooting just straight out the gates was really good, and as Pat said, you know, they're shooting above 50% in the first half, and in the second half, they're shooting 50% from field goal, and it, it affected the Zips because in the first half, as you can tell, um, their shooting percentage was 32.3%. 
45% from the field goal in the first half. So definitely they had the momentum in that first half. And if we would have, you know, just been more making more of the shots in the first half, then this game honestly might have even been winnable, even with Enrique, you know, having that, that loss of Enrique from the beginning. For sure. Obviously a tough loss for the Zips coming off a big rivalry win, which John Gross did speak on as well, that that could have played a factor into why Akron fell off against Toledo. Moving ahead, though, the Akron Zips on Friday traveled to Athens to play the OU, oh yeah, Ohio Bobcats. Again, did not go the Zips' way with a final score of 90-81. to 81. Enrique Freeman had 21 points. And X went off 37 minutes with 34 points. But other than X and Enrique, not much scoring for the Akron Zips. I wanted to push this over to you guys. What did you take away from this Zips disappointing Zips loss to the Ohio Bobcats? Honestly, going into this game against OU, uh, when I was looking at the rest of our schedule, I actually predicted that we would lose this game. And this game would be the only game that we would lose, though, finishing out the season. Um, If you've ever been to Athens, if you've ever been inside of the Convo, it gets loud in there. Um, it can it seats up to 13,000 people, and when we go down to play them, it's kind of like a unofficial rivalry is how the students down there kind of take it when it comes to us because, you know, we're one of the hottest teams in the MAC. They used to be fighting up there with us, you know, last season when they had Ben Vanderplas, but they kind of fell off the season, but if you look at their record overall, even though they are only 14 and 11, all of their wins, except two of them, have come at home. They have only lost one game at home all year, and that was to Kent State. Um, but overall, I just think that, um, honestly, it was our three-point shooting. Again, is what really slowed us down, is we shot 11 for uh, eleven for 23, um, racking up that 47.8%. Even that, though, that's not bad. But OU was lights out with their three-point shooting. They went 10 for 16 for 62.5% from beyond the arc. And there wasn't a whole lot we could do. Um, it almost seemed like every time we would get a big three to try to gain the momentum back, they would immediately shut us down by hitting another three of theirs. So it was just kind of a rough shootout game. Um, ultimately, we couldn't walk away with it. But again, uh, like you kind of said, Logan, there was not a lot of scoring other than X and Enrique. Uh, Sammy Hunter didn't score at all. Um, Greg uh, got nine. And Trenton Hangerson also got nine. Uh, for Greg Triple, though, that is a very good performance for him. He averages around that nine to 12 point margin a lot, so I was very happy to see that he was playing very well. He also had one of the most electric dunks that I've ever seen in my life, posterizing the OU player. That was amazing. Yes, but, sir. You know, you have to contribute more as a team. You can't just immediately re- rely on the two main guys. I know that that's what you want to do, but you can't just rely on Enrique and X to go off every night. Every player has to contribute, and I ultimately think that that just did not happen. The The shooting from everyone else other than X and Enrique was just abysmal. Um, so I'm not really sure why that was, but I think that's something they definitely need to focus on if we want to uh, spark a run back up and ultimately try to win the MAC title. Yeah, I definitely wanted more um, contribution, like how Trendon had in the previous game. You know, he had 20 points, so that would definitely would have been helpful to have him contribute again with that 20 to have more even distributing of the scoring for the Zips. Absolutely. Consistency is something that the Zips will need to improve on as it has been shown the last couple of games that it has been all X or all Enrique or nothing for the Akron Zips. Moving ahead on Tuesday, the Akron Zips travel to Eastern Michigan to play Pat Weber's favorite player, Imani Bates. Oh, listen. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that sentence without <laughs> laughing, Pat. Pat, I'll let you take it away on this one yeah. as the Zips play 7 o'clock Eastern Michigan. What are you looking at here, Imani I Bates? Think- 
I think that once again, all of us Akron Zips are going to have a fantastic Valentine's Day when we absolutely <laughs> whoop Eastern Michigan. I am so <laughs> sorry, but Amani Bates is the most overrated player in college basketball. Uh, the fact that you know, yes, he's averaging twenty point five points per game, but you're the only guy on your team. And then when you played us, you had three points, one for eighteen. I'm not too worried about this game. I think it's going to be a good bounce back, uh, a good uh, feel-good win. Uh, We definitely need this uh, moving in later to the season. This is a game that we should not drop, but we will need to win it, especially when we move to take on Buffalo, because even though Buffalo is sitting at 12-13, and we know that they are a very scrappy team. They're a very tough team to beat. They do not go down easily. So I think a very dominant win over Eastern Michigan uh, will help us moving into the rest of the season. I totally agree. If the Zips just play the way that they played the last time we played them, you know, by locking down Imani Bates, then this will be a winnable game for sure. Absolutely. I agree. I think I wanted to ask you guys this question. My opinion on Imani Bates being in the MAC here, and I could be totally wrong. I think Imani Bates is in the MAC because he just wanted to be above people, if that makes sense. Because he obviously came from Memphis, didn't succeed over there. He's a great player. I'll give it to him. He's a great player. I think he only came to the MAC to make himself look better. I don't think he actually cares about Eastern Michigan or, I mean, everybody cares about their team, but to an extent. Do you guys feel the same way? I'm completely in agreement with you. Um, When I saw that he was making that move to come to Eastern Michigan to join the MAC, I immediately sat down and said the only reason he's doing this is he wants to boost uh, his draft stock when he wants to enter the NBA draft. Because you're right, he did not succeed at Memphis at all. He was the number one high school prospect, and he failed at his initial uh, college in Memphis. So where do you go from then if you failed, ultimately failed, and look like you might be a bust, look like you might not make it to where you want to go? Well, you're going to look to a conference that, quite frankly, is a little bit weaker and is not one of those main power uh, conferences in collegiate basketball. So you look to the MAC. The MAC, yes, we are very strong in basketball, but when you look at some of the teams that they have, especially with Eastern Michigan, they don't have a whole lot to work with. So if you can go to a team that you'll be the main star on their team and you're the only one shooting the ball, that will definitely boost your draft stock. But I I agree with you. I don't think he cares about the team at all. I don't think he cares about winning. I think he cares about stat padding. And quite honestly, that's the reason I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think that if you're going to go play for a team that you should give it your all for the team chemistry and you should put your own personal benefits that you want to have to the side for the sake of your team because there's no reason why you're supposed you're supposedly the number one high school recruit um, a few years back and yet your team is sitting at 6-19 and 19 and the minute you get shut down is the minute that Eastern Michigan gets blown up by 50. I just don't understand why he made the move if he doesn't want to care about the team personally. Yeah, agreed. All right, that's going to do it for Akron Zips men's basketball talk. But before we head into our next break, we will flip over to the women's side. The women have not had much success as of recently, starting off with their game versus Northern Illinois on Wednesday, losing by a score of 88-63. to Throw it over to you guys. What did you see from the Lady Zips out of this one? It was just a rough night shooting uh, for the <laughs> Zips. Um, they only shot... 6 for 17 from 3, racking up 35.3% from beyond the arc, while the Huskies shot 13 of 29 for 44.8%. Uh, they also outperformed us shooting um, inside the arc as they went 31 for 62 for 50%, and we went 26 for 54 for 48.1%. Um, overall, it was just 
a dominant win for NIU, a win that personally I didn't see coming at all because I thought that um, NIU, with their record uh, at that time being um, 11 and 10, uh, I thought this would be a sure, uh, you know, winnable game for the Zips. But unfortunately, it didn't swing our way, um, and yeah, it was just the shooting overall. Um, they just have to take better shots. I thought some of the shot selections that were taken in that game were a little questionable um, at times. But also NIU. They're not a team to be reckoned with. Um, I've seen them play a few times. They are a team that never goes down without a fight. And I think ultimately that um, there is that possibility we came into this game expecting a win because of, uh, you know, we are underestimating some of these opponents. And I ultimately think that's why uh, it led to a Zips loss. Absolutely. Looking at the stats from that game, Rachel Martindale had 17 points. Reagan Bass had 12 and other than that, nobody else in double digits, which has been the case recently for the Zips. Lana, what have you seen from the Zips, especially in these last couple of games, that is that could be improved? Um, they just need to figure out how to get out of this this rut right now because right now they're at you know a losing streak of four, and they need to be playing like how they were playing in the beginning of the season. You know they were really hot, and I think it also helped that Regan was having you know really high scoring games 12 from her it's pretty good however you know most games she had like 20 so if you can have that again of like 20 points that can definitely have a huge contribution absolutely our next game for the lady zips was yesterday at the jar Another unfortunate loss, close loss for the Akron Zips, which actually this loss to Ball State looks a little bit better than the NIU loss, losing by a score of 61-56. to You know, the Zips played hard in this one. Ball State obviously one of the better teams in the MAC. Looking at the stat score here, pulling up the stats from yesterday's game, it's a little... It's a little misleading. The loss is misleading, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Obviously... Ball, like I mentioned, Ball State, one of the top teams in the MAC. This was on the road as well. Dominique Camp had 13 points. Molly Neitzel had 12. Reagan Bass had 10. Laney Farrell had 10. So a good spread for the Zips on the stat line. So misleading loss in my opinion, but I'll push it over to you guys. What do you take away from this close loss to one of the top teams in the MAC? I don't think that the Zips should view this as a loss. I mean, Ball State is the <laughs> most dominant team um, for women's basketball in the MAC. They are 21-4. and four. They are on fire. Um, and I honestly think that our women's Zips did a fantastic job of defending their three ball because Ball State went three for 21, only shooting 14.3% from beyond the arc. So I think they did a fantastic job of um, closing out on the three. Um, overall, you said it's a very misleading style and a very misleading loss um, at the end of the day because realistically, it was a very close game. Like you mentioned, uh, Ball State only shot... 23 for 60 from inside the arc with 38.3% from the field. And uh, the Zips shot 18 for 49, uh, 49 going 36.7% from the field. So it's a very misleading loss. It was a very, very entertaining game. Um, like I said, I don't think the Zips should view this as a loss. Rather, view this as um, you just competed with the most difficult team to contend with in our conference. And you shut them down uh, at one of their better spots in the three ball. So don't view it as a loss. Keep your heads high. It was a fantastic game game and just look forward to beating eastern michigan yeah i agree from the three ball they did a really good job of defending maybe in the first quarter if they would have um defended for field goals because they were 53.33 percent in the first quarter and then the zips unfortunately were four of 11 at 36.36 percent from the field goals so i think if that first quarter maybe would have been a little bit better for shooting for the zips then they they honestly would have won this game 
and if they would have had a better job of defending from that first quarter, that then the Zips scoring more points in the first quarter would have been better. Absolutely. And moving into our next matchup for the Lady Zips, it's going to be on Wednesday inside the jar versus the same team as the men, Eastern Michigan. Should be a good matchup for them. Akron needing a win to kind of get back on track. What are you guys expecting out of this game? I'm expecting a win for the Lady Zips. However, I do expect this game to be somewhat close because Eastern Michigan, um, when it comes to the women's side of the MAC, they are a very competitive team. They're one of those teams that, like I said, they're a very tough team to beat. They're one of those teams that they don't go down without a fight. So I expect to see a very, very entertaining game, but I do ultimately think that the Zips will walk away with the win in this one. Absolutely. Lana? Yes, I'm hoping for a Zips win as well for Eastern Michigan. You know, before we head into break, one final question I wanted to pose to each of you guys. Heading into the MAC tournament coming up soon, who is your favorite for the men's and women's side? So for the men's, obviously, I'm going to take our very own Akron Zips. This is kind of like a almost carbon copy of our season last year, um, except for us uh, ultimately beating Kent State, which was a phenomenal thing. Um, that was the first time I got to see us beat Kent <laughs> like in a sport at home <laughs> in three years, so... I love that game, but I do think that we have what it takes. We were in the spot last year where we hit a mid-season slump right about now that bumped us out of contention for the regular season title. So, I again, I expect us to do the same thing. We know how to get it done in the tournament. We know what we need to do. Like Coach Gross said, and all the players saying, this isn't us defending a title. This is us attacking for another one. So I ultimately will take the Zips. And in terms for the women's side, uh, as much as I would love to take our Lady Zips, I just have to give it to Ball State. I don't think anybody is going to stop that team at all. They are 21-4, and and I don't think that there's anybody in the NCAA that can stop that team right now. For sure. Lana? I'm going Zips all the way for both. Wow, okay. I, I, right. I love the Zips. So I like the homers. Um, yes. I got I, two major homers on the show today. <laughs> yep, yep. And for the men's, if they can just play the way that they that they play against Kent State for yeah, every game where it's so energy and everyone's contributing, then, again, I, I think they're going to win the MAC and hopefully we'll be dancing again in March Madness. And then... For the Lady Zips, I hope that everything is just going to be okay, that they're going to bounce back from this losing, and I'm still sticking with them, still supporting them. Of course, we still ride with the Zips here at WZIP Sports. My picks are going to reflect the same as Pat. I'm going with the Akron Zips and the Ball State Cardinals, and that's going to do it for our Akron Zips segment. Moving into our next segment, coming back from break, we're going to be talking about the Cavaliers and getting into hot mic. You won't want to miss it, so stick with us right here on WZIP. Zips fans, we are back here on WZIP Sports, Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am joined by Pat Weber. And Lana Tau. And I am your host for the day, Logan Congrove. Thank you for tuning in today. Next up on our next segment, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and getting into Hot Mike, which if you don't know what Hot Mike is, it is where you can get it on the show. Make sure you head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports if you haven't gotten your questions in yet and reply to the Hot Mike tweet for us to answer all of your questions live on air. You won't want to miss it. But guys, let's start off with a little bit of Cleveland Cavaliers talk before we get into our Hot Mike segment, starting off with the Pelicans matchup on Friday. 
Guys, what did you take away from this Cavalier win in New Orleans? I thought this was an absolutely fantastic win on the Pelicans. Even though their record doesn't show it, they are a very competitive team out in the Western Conference. But we came in to New Orleans and we handled business. I thought that Donovan Mitchell had an absolutely phenomenal showing, as well as Evan Mobley, where Evan Mobley did a great, great job of defending uh, the big man Valanchunas. Valanchunas, one of New Orleans' best players, only ended up with that seven. Uh, Jared Allen also did a phenomenal job of defending Valanchunas. I think both of them uh, were some of the key factors uh, defensively, at least, that helped the Cavs get this win. Um, all starters, except for Isaac Okoro, found themselves in double digits and Karis LeVert coming off the bench with 13. It was just a fantastic showing by the Cavs, in my opinion. Uh, the Pelicans, um, they struggled a lot from the field. Their only uh, main source of scoring was Brandon Ingram with 25 um, and then after that, the second leading scorer for them was Trey Murphy, the third, um, with 17. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've never heard of that guy before in my life. Actually, so. you know what's crazy, Pat? When Alex and I went into cover the last time the Ke- uh, Pelicans came to Cleveland, Trey Murphy didn't know who he was either. Came up to me and Alex, who were standing on the court taking our pictures pregame. He goes, what's up, guys? How you doing? Daps us both up. What, what's going on, guys? Starts talking to us. He walks away, and Alex goes, who is that? And I was like, dude, I don't know. So we looked him up, and it was Trey Murphy. So Trey Murphy's a nice guy. If he's a nice guy, you know, I I give him the respect. But uh, in in terms of everything, I mean, a very good game for him, at least. Um, But I just think the Pelicans, obviously, you know, you're missing Zion Williamson. So you're missing your main star out there. And I also think that (laughs) C.J. McCollum had one of the worst games of his career against the Cavs this night, only shooting 4 for 14 and 0 for 5 from the 3. That is a very unusual uh, showing for C.J. McCollum. Yeah, um, I, I kind of expected this win from the Cavs. You know, like Pat said, there isn't Zion Williamson. So the Cavs should be playing this well. And why not, you know, play this well and get everyone contributing? Because that is... If there's one thing for basketball that's, like, a huge main focus, if everyone chips in, that is way more effective than, you know, just having, like, one person go off. Teamwork makes the dream work, and that's what the Cavs showed tonight. Absolutely. Lana, you're one of the biggest Cavs fans I know. Before we get into recapping our next game, I just wanted to ask you preemptively, now that the Brooklyn Nets are definitely out of the picture, what do you see for the Cavaliers going forward. Do you think that they could get a home court advantage? Yes, for sure. This is the time for the Cavs to, you know, continue their winning streak. They're now winning, what, it's five or six games? Mm -hmm. Six-game winning streak. Yeah, six-game winning streak. They need to keep that up because, you know, now is the time. Kyrie's gone. Kevin Durant's gone from the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, the, because I was at that game when they played the Brooklyn Nets, the last game. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of scary. They were, like, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, they, they did a good job of, you know, making shots. And the Cavs were playing really good defense that game. And yet, you know, when, when teams were making, you know, really good shots, even when contested, I mean, there was nothing that really could they could do, but now that team is broken up now. So, you know, now is the time for the Cavs to k- keep this momentum going as much as you can so that then we can 
have this momentum then going into playoffs, hopefully, right? So, 100%. I would agree with you there, Lana. I do think the Cavs now have a wide-open chance to get a home-court advantage heading into the playoffs, with the Brooklyn Nets being definitely out of the picture. Moving ahead, last night, the Cavaliers had the Chicago Bulls in town. The Bulls, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, pretty good team. The Cavaliers were able to come away with the win, as you mentioned, 97-89. to It was a great game on all ends for the Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell with 29 points, Darius Garland 19, Jarrett Allen with 23. Jarrett Allen has been on a tear recently. So before we even get into recapping this game, I wanted to push this question to you guys. Who would you say right now, outside of Donovan Mitchell, means the most to this Cavaliers team? I would have to say Jarrett Allen. Um, He arguably, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated centers in the NBA. Um, Not only because he's undersized for a big man, but because he is just simply one of the best centers out there in the game. He does a fantastic job. He hustles after every ball. He does a great job of... He's one of the best defenders on this squad. And his shooting... um, this game definitely showed it. 10 for 13, only missed three shots and got 23 points. Held Vukovic, one of the better centers in the East, only 14 points, 7 of 13 from the field and 0 for 4 from 3. So I think that Jared Allen 100% has to be the second most valuable piece on this Cavs team. I would say Darius Garland because he is our facilitator. And in order to give you know Jared Allen these opportunities... Darius Garland is an extremely good point guard. He looks for his teammates, and he knows then when Darius Garland, you know, should shoot. Like, he knows when to take the shots for himself when he's available, and then he also knows when to look for his open teammates. And you can tell because he's he's a really good point guard by having, you know, lots of assists and lots of points. He's not like a ball hog. And that's why I love Darius Garland because he's a really, really good facilitator in that aspect. Absolutely. Like I mentioned, Cavs did come away with the win here. What did you guys take away from this game heading into the Spurs matchup this week? Honestly, it was a good win, but our bench did not contribute a thing. Um, When you look at it, our leading scorer off the bench was Seti Osman with four points, and the only other person that scored off the bench was Karis LeVert with one. Um, I think that our bench has to do um, a better job of contributing if we want to look to continue to succeed. Um, Also, I wish... um, you know, looking at, at our roster right now, the only starter, again, who wasn't in double digits was Isaac Okoro. Now, I know he's not um, our offensive weapon go-to guy, but you've got to start contributing more than just those six to seven points per game if you want to have this team succeed because there are going to be times where your contributions, if you could get to that 10 points, could make the difference between a win and a loss, especially when it comes time for the playoffs. So I just want to see Isaac Okoro try to contribute a little bit more offensively. Um you know, even his shooting just wasn't that great. Three for nine from the field, one uh, one of five from three. Um, not a great look at all. Um, but other than that, I think, like I said, our bench just has to do a better job of contributing, and Isaac Okoro just has to pick it up a little bit on the offensive end. Yeah, agreed. Um, I kind of wanted Jetty to have a little bit more of those points because, you know, some games he has like 30 or 20 coming off the bench, right. and those are amazing to watch. And I, I definitely wanted him to have more points to contribute to that, to that game. You know, speak a little bit more on that, because as we both go to Cavs games for WZIP a lot, what have you noticed about JB kind of pulling Chet, If Chetty's like, if he, it seems to me if Chetty misses one shot, he's not going in the rest of the game. If Chetty's on fire, they'll let the dude play. It seems like he's on sort of a tight leash with JB and his rotations. Have you noticed that as well? Yes, I've noticed that. And I also think it has to do with, like, the free throws as well because, you know, when he misses a free throw, like, I I notice right away, like, he gets taken out. And it's like, uh, but again, you know, these are free throws. And when you're at, you know, this really high professional level, you you have to make those those shots. 
Absolutely. Next up is tomorrow. The Cavaliers take on the San Antonio Spurs <laughs> at home at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Pat, I see you laughing over there, so I'll push it over to you first. What are you expecting out of this one as Malachi Branham returns home back to his home state of Ohio? St. Vincent St. Mary graduate, obviously. What do you take away from this, Pat? I'm thinking a 50-point-plus blowout. I mean, the San really? Antonio Spurs are downright the most abysmal team in the NBA. And they just which, traded one of their best players. Yeah, which is really odd in my opinion. Um, but I think at this point, you know, for the San Antonio Spurs, it's kind of weird seeing them in this situation where they're so bad because they've been so, they were so dominant for so long. And you would think that even they still have uh, Popovich as their coach, but there's some rosters you just can't win with. And clearly this is one of those teams that, you have no chance of winning with them. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think that it's going to be like a 50-point blowout. And sometimes the Cavs, you know, unfortunately, like when, when we do think it's going to be like an easy win and then it's like kind of sad when, when they don't. So I don't I don't want to like uh, jump jump the gun like too far or whatever. I think hopefully, you know, sh- this should be a winnable game. However, I think it's going to be winnable more by like 15 and then maybe even 20. I would agree with you there, Lana. I think that the Cavs definitely come away with this win. But like you mentioned, the Cavs tend to slack off a little bit with teams that we think are easily beatable. And I could definitely see that potentially happening at home. You know, all obviously the Cavs are very healthy now. We got Dean Wade back in the rotation. Cavs are looking great. So I would expect it to be a win. I agree with you. And speaking of rotations, one of the biggest asterisks, question marks, whatever you want to call it, going forward for the Cavaliers is Kevin Love. And me personally, I am not a Kevin Love fan. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Kevin Love has been told by J.B. Bickerstaff and the Cavaliers organization that he is out of the rotation going forward. His minutes are going to be given to Dean Wade, who has been playing very well recently. But he's not going to hit the buyout market from what the Cavaliers have said. General Manager Kobe Altman came out and said that there is no future of a buyout for Kevin Love. He will remain on the bench just out of the rotation to me, this seems like they're kind of pushing him to a Udonis Haslam type role. And I'm not even trying to make a heat reference to be funny. I'm being dead serious. They're kind of pushing him to like the end of the bench. Kind of, I don't want to use the word coach because Kevin Love is definitely more serviceable than Udonis Haslam. But it just seems like they're kind of pushing him to the end of the bench without really getting rid of him. Do you think that the Cavs should have bought Kevin Love out, or do you see this role working out for him? I, I think we should have bought him out. Obviously, um, it hurts to see Kevin Love not getting minutes anymore, especially because he was one of the key contributor, contributors in our 2016 um, finals victory over the Golden State Warriors. But you hit a point in your career where um, you know you are going to start seeing a decline in your performance. And I... To be honest with you, I'm glad Dean Wade is getting his minutes at the end of the day because, in my opinion, Dean Wade is just a better version of Kevin Love at this point because Dean Wade can shoot the ball just as well as Kevin Love, but he can also play defense, which is something that Kevin Love has never really been uh, very strong in. Um, I wish we would have bought him out because I don't see a point in keeping his contract on the end of the bench if we're not going to give him minutes. Um, but I do agree that this is a very similar thing to like a Udonis Haslam where um, – Possibly the reason we're keeping him is we want to have that veteran presence to kind of, like you said, not be a coach, but kind of be a coach in that aspect where he's he's had a, he's won the ring for us. He's been in Cleveland for a while. He's been, gone to the playoffs more times than anybody on that roster. So there's a very good reason that that's why we're keeping him there is because he has that experience. He can help out all of our young players and get them that experience, get them that wisdom, give them you know everything that they need uh, to give them the push into the playoffs. So. 
it's a little bit of an iffy move, but hopefully moving forward, um, we either buy out his contract or we start giving him minutes again because I just don't want to see us throwing money at somebody who's not going to play. Yeah, I just wish they give him more minutes because I I still think Kevin Love is like a legend and I do want his jersey retired like with the Cavs and and he show and he's shown so much love for Cleveland and I I want him to play and I want him to be successful. So um I just wish they they'll give him more minutes, honestly, because I don't really see why you just have him on on the bench. I I don't think that really plays a role because when he was coming off the bench, you know, per, like good Kevin Love, he was coming off the bench. Like even last year, I'm pretty sure he was like a sixth man of the year, like contender. So I, I want that Kevin Love back. Like if he is going to, you know, be coming off the bench. You know what I want, guys? And you can clown me all you want. I want Kevin Love gone. I listen. I, I want Kevin Love. I don't want so to- far from Cleveland that nobody. Even has love for Kevin Love. No, no. stop, boo, I'm boo. You're, so you're dead horrible serious. with jokes. I don't. No. I don't want to agree with you on this. However, um, yeah, I I kind of agree. Um, it, it's come time for Kevin Love and the Cavaliers to go their separate ways, in my opinion. And it hurts because, like I said, he was one Doesn't of those main me. guys on that 2016 squad. No, he was not. Yeah, he was. No, he was not. He was part of the big in the regular group. season. He was part of the big three of I'll the give you that. part of the Cavs that got us into the playoffs, that contributed to get in the ring. And he, he helped us greatly last year as well when Ricky Rubio went out last season and Kevin Love had to step up big time and fill up that six-man spot. I think he did great, but it's at a point where um, he just can't contribute to a squad like the Cavs anymore. We have built ourselves a roster to where he can no longer really contribute any meaningful time with the team um i was actually kind of eyeballing the trade deadline to see if we would possibly trade him somewhere um just to see if he has a chance at trying to revive some part of his basketball career because with all the injuries that he's had and everything it, it, kevin love is just one of those players that you love him but at the end of the day he's have he's having all these issues and personally i would have liked to see us trade him uh at least get a little something back um, I think a good fit possibly would have been the Detroit Pistons or the Orlando Magic. Give a give a veteran to a really, really young team that just needs that leadership out there. But we still have him, and hopefully if he does, if we do choose to keep his contract moving into the future, hopefully he can adapt to, like you were kind of saying, a Udonis Haslam where he's there to help everybody out, like help all the young guys out. He won't contribute anything, but having his presence in the locker room on the court will definitely boost this team to a playoff victory. I just feel like that's definitely the direction that they're trying to take this, and Honestly, and I'll even give this one to Kevin Love. Kevin Love can still play somewhere. It's not Cleveland. We're too young right now. We have too many young players that are going to need those minutes. I appreciate the veteran presence. I really do. Especially as a Heat fan, I understand. I know you guys make fun of me for it all the time. Udonis Haslam type role. I get it. I understand it. I just don't think that the Cavaliers locker room is really the best place for Kevin Love to do yeah. that right now. Especially since we also <clears throat> do have Ricky Rubio, a very right. experienced <clears throat> veteran on our bench. And Kevin Love can still realistically play. He can. I, I think if you were to slot him in, like I said, with a team that is very young and not really succeeding too much, if you slot him in maybe you know with San Antonio, with Houston, get him, get him on a team where he can contribute a lot, where his veteran presence will leave a lasting impact. Because his, his presence on the uh, team with the Cavs, he's left his mark. 
Um, and I am very grateful for Kevin Love for that. But there, like I said, there does come a time where a team and a player inevitably do go their separate ways, whether that be through retirement or through, you know, a buyout contract. But I do believe that Kevin Love and the Cavs, I believe that time has come to pass. I do still want to see him succeed because he has done so much for the city of Cleveland. I want to see him still play. I want to see him contribute to this league. But it just can't be done in Cleveland. I like I said, I would love to see him go someplace like San Antonio where you know, they're they're lacking. They're lacking across the board, and they really need that help. So I think that ultimately we should have probably bought out his contract, and then that way a team like the Spurs, for example, um, they would have been able to move in, sign him, and the next thing you know, Kevin Love is contributing meaningful time, points, and minutes to a team that really needs that help. Absolutely. That is going to wrap up our Cavaliers talk, at least before we get into the NBA trade deadline. Next segment, you know what that means, though. It's time for Hot Mike here on WZIP Sports, which if you don't know what Hot Mike is, I'll explain it once again. Hot Mike is a segment where you can get in on the show every week. The tweet comes out on Wednesday. You reply to the tweet, and we answer your questions live on the air. We have some frequent question askers, but this time we have some new question askers and lots of them. So let's get right into it, starting off with Zach Stratton. He has two questions, starting off with which big three was a bigger disappointment, the Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden? Or the Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. I'll start with you guys. What's your take on this one? It has to be the Nets. I am so sorry, but um, the big three, I guess in air quotes for the Lakers, was never really a big three. Everybody knew that Russell Westbrook was at a point in his career where he's not the same (coughs) Russell Westbrook that we have seen in the past. So I wouldn't even consider that a big three. I think the Nets is by far the biggest disappointment because you had Harden coming off of his MVP caliber seasons, uh, Kevin Durant still being one of the most efficient scorers that we will ever see in our lives, and Kyrie Irving um, coming out of one of his better um, seasons. And I just think that that big three ultimately with how with all the hype that it gained with everybody saying you know the East is so weak and that the Nets will be able to dominate and for them to not even make it to a – uh, conference finals. I, I don't think they even made it to a conference finals. And for them to not even make it that far, when you have three of the NBA's best players, and like I said, Kevin Durant, you have, he's the most efficient scorer across the board in the league. Did nothing. James Harden, one of the, again, one of the most efficient scorers, one of the best ball handlers in the league, did nothing. Kyrie Irving, all he did was cause problems. Kyrie Irving became the Antonio Brown of the NBA in his time in Brooklyn. I think that that was by far the biggest disappointment. Yeah, um, the big three for the Nets was really disappointing. Um, honestly, when Kyrie just left the Cavs, like I, he like turned into a totally different person, and this whole like flat Earth thing, and just causing <laughs> causing controversy everywhere he goes, is just it, it's not the person that I loved when he was here in Cleveland, and it, that was really disappointing. And similar thing with Kevin Durant. I, like, loved him when he was in OKC. And then, you know, once he left OKC, same thing. Like, he caused all this drama, you know, being a snake and then going to, like, Golden State. And then now trying to, like, hop onto another one with the Nets. Like, and, like, it still kind of worked out, though, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Like, there were flashes of them, you know, like, working out together and then, you know, James Harden just like aborted the shit. Like, <laughs> he didn't even really play for the Nets, if we're being honest. And um, yeah, I mean that, that that big three was kind of just not good. And but for you know, Katie and Kyrie, it honestly wasn't you know horrible. But you know, they left each other anyway. So absolutely. Next question from Zach is, what is your favorite Super Bowl commercial ever? And we do have fourteen questions, so elaborate on this one quickly. All right, I think for mine, it has to be. 
the Darth Vader Kia one from I think 2014 <laughs> where the little kid's standing outside and they're trying to use the force or whatever and his dad turns the car on. I think that's my favorite one because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. It's a good one. Lana? I like the Clydesdales ones. They're, like, they're just so cute. You know? <laughs> so I really love those ones. I'm big on any of the Doritos ones. They're funny every single Facts. year. Doesn't matter which one. Doritos for me. Next up, a question comes in from one of our WZIP sports members, Matt Permuka, and he asks, what is your go-to Super Bowl snack? P.S. Any answer other than buffalo chicken dip is wrong. Ooh, see, buffalo chicken dip is good, but I think my go-to, ooh, I think I think it's got to be some wings. Some wings or some mont sticks. Hmm. Um, for me, I think it's probably just, like, chips and dip. <laughs> I'm going to go with wings. I said this on Dev's show on Thursday night. Go with wings, honey mustard wings, any wings. I, I low-key do not like super hot wings but wings for me is going to be the question and speaking of Dev, Dev is also a member here at WZIP Sports and his question is early Guardians predictions do they win the Central again? Pat, you're wearing Guardians gear today, so let's hear what you guys think on this. Yeah, I mean I don't think there's anybody in the AL Central that's going to be able to stop us, especially since we added Josh Bell in the offseason. I mean we literally filled the one position that we were lacking in and we filled it with a player that is Probably hitting one of the best. Uh, he's in the best part of his career. He's hitting his best seasons. I think that we are going to win the AL Central. And I'm going to give a really bold prediction early on that we are going to win the World Series this year, too. Okay. Mono? Yes, I hope so, too. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely love the Guardians. They're just such a talented team because now we we have our youngsters, you know, Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, who were both rookies, and they showed flashes of greatness. So it can only go up from here. And we also have Jose, you know, that we have these, like, veterans. You know, the Guardians are just the dream team. That's, like, what you want. You want these legends, and then you also want these legends, like, teaching the youngsters how to be great. Absolutely. Next question we have comes in from my buddy, my favorite person (laughs) here on WZIP Sports. My hater, although he did take it out of his bio, Jake Murren, a goat. And he asks, who is coming out of the West in the NBA? You already know what I'm going to say, but you guys can go first. Coming out of the West, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna say, the Mavs. I'm gonna say the Mavs because I think that addition of Kyrie is actually filling. I think it's working for them very, very well because it takes some of the pressure off of Luca to have to drop 50 points a night, and I think that Kyrie's been playing very well there. So I'm gonna, like I said, I'm taking the Mavs. I think the Mavs will do it. No, I don't really like the Mavs and the whole Kyrie situation. So, no, and Kyrie is a ball hog. So, I, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out because he is a ball hog. Kyrie will be a Laker next season, but we'll oh, talk about no, that. No, no, boo. No, 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 no. Listen, if he becomes a Laker, I'm going to literally just not like any L.A. fans. You don't deserve what we had. <laughs> That's all I have to say. You don't deserve what we had. <laughs> but um, I think the Nuggets. I, I like Ooh. Jokic. Um, he is an extremely talented player, and he's like a big that can truly do it all. He can pass, he can shoot, he can rebound. Amazing. Absolutely. Another question comes in from Jake Murnigo, and he says, Please follow me, Logan. This is probably the millionth time this kid has asked me this. <laughs> so here it goes. Once again, Jake Murnigo. <laughs> no. Next question. Who do you think is who is going to get Victor Wembanyama in the draft this year? This comes in from Joe Barry. I think it's going to be the Houston Rockets. Because they are the they are dead last in the NBA. It's a toss up between the Rockets and the Spurs. 
I honestly don't know, so we'll see. I'm going to go with the Rockets as well, and I didn't answer my answer for the last question of Jake Marinigo, which is the Sacramento Kings. They're coming out of the West 100%, but we won't get too much into that. Again, trade deadline talk coming up soon. You won't, you won't want to miss it. Next question comes in from Jake Marinigo again, and it says, Why is Liverpool so mid? And once again, Jake Marinigo... I don't want to be that guy, but... um. Yeah, you're a Chelsea fan, and I don't think that $100 million transfer is working out too hot. Hey, you know, I'm not one to uh, <laughs> speak because Liverpool isn't looking great right now, but uh, another terrible question from Jake Marinigo. <laughs> Next question again comes in from Joe Barry. He says, who's rushing for more yards, Jalen Hurts or the entire Chiefs team? Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Next question, final question from Joe Barry, and I've been wanting to answer this one all day. It's hilarious. Which of these Jabba the Hutt lifestyle choices would you be most likely to try? Eat frogs whole for every meal or be unable to walk? Oh, I don't know. There's like no right answer to that, but I think I'd have to say not be able to walk. I would agree. Frogs are gross. Well, I hopefully don't want to. I don't want to do neither. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love walking, and I don't want to eat frogs, so I'm going with neither. All right, you know, I'm going to go with frogs. I'd try the frogs. Great questions, Joe. Hope you're doing all right out there in Cincinnati. Next up, we have Dan Grohn. He said, what's your favorite Super Bowl food? We kind of touched on this with Matt, so we won't answer again just for the sake of time. Dan, we appreciate you so much. Hope you're doing well as well. Next up is Mick Slaps. He asked Prem League updates Man City transfer issues. Pat, I'm going to push you this one to you super quickly. Like, you and I know what's going on, so for those of you who don't know, Manchester City has found themselves in a bit of a hole. They have broken since 2014 when they first entered, or when they re-entered the Premier League. They have broke 67 transfer rules. And uh, right now it's looking at the minimum they're going to get slapped with a 12-point deduction and possible immediate relegation to Champions League. I'm pretty sure you don't have any thoughts on this one, but if you wanted to touch on it, you can. I have thoughts on the other question. The okay, biggest okay. all-star snub. Biggest all-star snub comes in from Joe Messina. I'll start with you guys. I say Darius Garland. Literally, I'm I'm disappointed about that. I Darius Garland's on my list, but he's not who I'm going to say. Pat? I also agree with Darius Garland, but I think somebody that wasn't... I don't believe he was put in the... All, I think he was just selected as an all-star reserve. I don't believe he was actually ever put in the initial roster. And that was De'Aaron Fox. Okay. Absolutely snubbed. I'm sorry, but De'Aaron Fox has been getting disrespected for his entire career. And it's time that the NBA wakes up and realizes that he is one of the best guards in the entire league. And he deserves to be an NBA all-star. Mine is Jimmy Hemi Butler of the Miami yeah, of Heat. Course. We all Jimmy Hemi Butler is the biggest snub. Shout out to you on that one, Jake Marinigo. I saw your tweet, buddy. And then our final question before we head into our next break comes in from our sports director, Jake Marin. Once again, hope your event is going really well today, man. Super proud of you for Forge in Ohio. His question is, who's a sleeper team in the Mid-American Conference for both the men and the women? Ooh, a sleeper team... Right now in the men's has to be the Zips. A lot of people are doubting us. So they're your favorite and the sleeper. I'm, I'm telling you, people are, people doubt us. The minute we slip up, it's how bad Akron is. But you don't hear a word. When the, it's one loss. One loss all of a Very sudden. True. The entire Mac is on on Akron's back saying how bad we are, how we're a fake team and everything. I was going to say, you guys want to keep sleeping on us. We'll just go out and do it again like we did last season. And other than them, another really, really good sleeper team, I think, is the OU Bobcats. Because, like I said, when you go to the convo... It gets loud in there, and their fans love basketball. 
So I think OU's another big, big sleeper. Yeah, I think the Zips, okay? Everyone should stop doubting the Zips because they beat Kent State, okay? I'm I'm going to keep on saying this, okay? And, uh, yeah, remember... You know, 6755. 6755. <laughs> I'm going to. Before we go into break, I'm going to not be a homer on this one. I think my biggest sleeper for the men is probably OU. I'd go with OU on that. And for the women, I'm going to go with probably, I hate to say it, but Kent State. Kent State's probably my woman's sleeper on that side. And that's going to do it for our Cavaliers and Hot Mike segment. Next up, we have NBA trade deadline talk. Easily one of the biggest things that's happened in the past week. We'll get right into it as soon as we come back. Stay with us right here on WZIP. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk, guys. It's NBA trade deadline time as we get into our second hour of the show. Once again, joining me is Pat Weber. And And I am your host, Logan Congrove. Like I mentioned, going to get into the NBA trade deadline, which was on Wednesday. Very big deal. Lots of major deals made. And honestly, in recent history, I think it's probably one of the biggest trade deadlines that we've seen. By far. I mean, there's one that kind of sparked it all. There's one trade that kind of went down that honestly blew this trade deadline wide open. Absolutely. And that is the second one that we'll get into. Obviously, we'll get into one that happened before the deadline, just slightly, and that is Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Touched a little bit on this with you earlier, Lana. Push this over to you. What do you see out of this deal for the Mavericks? Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie was traded back to Brooklyn, and he loves it there. I think he's a good fit, but that basically disassembles the Brooklyn Nets going forward. What do you guys take away from this Kyrie Irving trade? I was a big fan of it. I'm not going to lie to you. I know that Kyrie Irving has caused <clears throat> quite a bit of issues and problems in the NBA uh, in recent, um, honestly, the past months, like not even recent years, like literally the past year. But I, I like this move for the Mavs because even though Kyrie is coming up on the final year of his contract at the end of the season this year, um, you're still giving Luka that extra piece to kind of get the pressure off of him because Luka's going out there and almost dropping 50 points, it seems, almost every single game. And for a 20, I believe 22-year-old, 23-year-old to be doing that is, like, almost unrealistic. Um, so I, I was a big fan of this. I, I really liked it because um, the way that the Mavs, I, the way that I viewed this at least is how I believe the Mavs kind of did is you're signing a high, very high-caliber player to pair with Luka, to pair with Christian Woods. You have Kyrie till the end of the season. Now that you have Kyrie, you're cementing yourself at least a playoff spot in the West. And adding Kyrie could give you a push to get to the conference finals again. It could honestly give you a push to make it to the NBA finals. Um, and it's a very low-risk, uh, high-reward trade, in my opinion. Because, like I said, you wrap, you end up with Kyrie, finishes out the season with you. You have a chance to succeed. If you succeed, there's a chance he resigns with you. If not, it's not the biggest deal. The only notable player that you really gave up was Spencer Dinwiddie in that trade. So it, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, I just I can't stand Kyrie. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm glad we're I, on the same wavelength. I'm, I'm really annoyed with this and. Luca is just such a great player, and I, he doesn't deserve like he like Kyrie's just so, so full of nonsense that I'm I'm annoyed that now he's on a team with the lovely Luca. He's so. he's the, the lovely Luca. Yeah. yeah, you know I might put that up where with baby Kobe from Marcus. <laughs> that that's a new WZIP like nickname that I haven't heard before. I like it. No, Antonio or sorry, I was saying Antonio Brown, but no, Kyrie's basically the Antonio Brown of the NBA. Um, yeah, I don't know what he did, and again, even when he got traded, there was still 
problems that he caused post him getting traded. So I don't know what's going on with him. Like I said it's a very low risk, high reward trade. Um, and like you said, Spencer Dinwiddie back in Brooklyn. I thought it was just weird to see him not wearing a Nets jersey for the longest time. So I'm glad that he's back in Brooklyn. Absolutely, it was a good trade. I believe I don't see Kyrie Irving staying in. Dallas, to be honest with you. I think I, at the end of the season, Kyrie Irving will end up with the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I, I think that the Mavs, because they've actually been playing very well since adding Kyrie to their roster, as much as I don't like to admit that, I, I do think that he has a chance to stay. Um, but yeah, he should not be allowed to go to L.A. because Lakers fans don't deserve what we had. Again, I'm going to keep saying that you don't deserve what we had. I England. agree. That's why it makes me upset. All there's people up here that think that oh I would want to see them happy together again. I don't. Cool. They that, couldn't make there, it work in Cleveland. Reason, there's a reason there's an All Star game. That's when you get to watch <laughs> them play together again. But do not put them on the same team. You don't deserve what we had. Yeah, I I totally agree because <laughs> it, it it's really annoying because we had that like Le- Le- LeBron and Kyrie. We had that, and Kyrie is the one that messed it all up. Okay. He is the one that messed it all up. So, so it's it's really stupid that it's like like now all of a sudden you want to be like back with LeBron. Like what? Because you, you're, you're the one that messed it up. You're the one that messed it up, Kyrie. I honestly believe Kyrie Irving is the reason Isaiah Thomas's career got ruined. I will live and die by that by what I said that he Kyrie's the reason that Isaiah Thomas is no longer in the NBA. You're he correct. Hasn't been able to succeed because he was playing great on the Celtics, but obviously he wants to he wants to trade. Request it, and we obviously we give the trade to the Celtics. We get Isaiah Thomas, but Isaiah Thomas just did not fit in our system well at all. And you're right; the reason he wants to go back to LeBron is because he's realizing his ego might finally be dying down a little bit for how big it is. But he's finally realizing, hey, I'm not a number one star on a team. I'm going to be the second option my entire career. And sorry you couldn't do it by yourself, but I don't want to say that literally the entire league told you so. But the entire league told you that you would not be able to be it. You would not be able to be the main star on a team, and look where it's gotten him. It's gotten him absolutely nowhere. I think maybe one playoff uh, series win, and that's about it. Absolutely. And, of course, the next big trade of the NBA trade deadline is probably the biggest we've ever seen in deadline history, and that is another Brooklyn net was sent packing, and that net was Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns for a huge package of Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, at the time Jay Crowder, and four unprotected future first-round picks, which is an absolute haul. And obviously, TJ Warren was also sent to the Suns in that deal. Kevin Durant, a report came out that Kevin Durant actually requested this move to the Suns specifically after the Kyrie Irving trade. Guys, what does this do for the NBA and for Kevin Durant, the Suns, the Nets, all ends? This this throws the balance out again. Like I, I said in the group chat, I know some of you guys saw, but I uh, I said it's time for Kawhi to come back to the East. If there's one man that's going to balance out the league again, it has to be Kawhi Leonard coming back to the East because this move, like I said, it just shifted the balance. It went from having the e- the East finally looking uh, more competitive than it has been in recent years because everyone knows that the Western Conference is far more competitive. Um, and all of a sudden, this monster move just came out of nowhere about what 1 30 a.m the news broke that he yep. got traded i was i couldn't believe it i was still i was getting pizza at euro gyro very <laughs> late at night sitting there just waiting for my pizza and that my phone goes off and I was the asleep. whole the whole place because it was this was what early wednesday morning i guess yep. then yeah early wednesday morning and or no early thursday morning excuse me and wednesday had just passed 
I was mind blown. The whole everybody in Eurogyro went, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Kevin Durant got traded!" I was like, "Yeah, right." And then I looked down at my phone. They're right. That's that. I woke up to it that morning. I woke up. I rolled over, looked at my phone, and the first notification I saw from ESPN was Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun, and I I couldn't believe it. Um, what a trade, honestly. I mean, that shook up the entire league. That not only did the Nets, you know, uh, All Star duo get broken up in that fashion, but the fact that the Nets willingly gave up Kevin Durant after they. Time and time again had been making points to like say that they're never going to give him up, and all of a sudden he's in Phoenix for, like you said, one of the biggest packages in NBA history. I think at that point the Nets were just ready to accept defeat. That I that whole plan agree. did not work out for them. I completely agree. I wish though that I wish the Cavs would have done something to like bring somebody in And we roster. will we will definitely get into but, what the like, Cavs should or shouldn't have done. We just some one of the superstars from the West has got to come back to the East to balance it out at this point because it's going to overload the West again. It's going to it, it have it's going to it's like a carbon copy of what the Warriors did when they got Kevin Durant, you know. It overloaded the West for a few seasons and then Kawhi Leonard, the goat, the real goat. Uh you know, he came over to His Toronto and Kawhi uh, Leonard and Clippers <laughs> takes are equally as bad as my Miami takes. It's not the Clippers, it's only Kawhi. That's see that's worse. But in my that opinion, worse? That's, that's worse. My, that's my favorite player. But you know, everybody makes fun of me, not Pat, but let's just let's oh, no, I get, no, let's I start get, slandering Pat. Can we I mean, start slandering you can go Pat? Ahead, you no. can go ahead and do it. You can go no. ahead and do it. No, I I will live in that. I will not I because Kawhi. I know how it feels to be slandered, Pat. So do I. I will never do that to you. Well, thank you, but I I do kind of I I do kind of <laughs> get it. Um, uh thanks to like all of my Fireside brothers, they hound me because they tune in and listen, and they hound me for some of the stuff that I'll throw out there for takes. But no, and, and all seriousness, though, I think Kawhi needs to come back to the East because I mean, like, just balance it out, man. But come, come to Cleveland. Come to Cleveland. Oh my! <laughs> oh my I'll allow crazy. you to say that. If that Kawhi Leonard, if my favorite player went to my favorite team, listen, I need to get a Cavs jersey, and that would be like. The I think you're reaching reason. a little bit, Pat. I'm not going to lie. You Okay, you saw the trade that I had, I had formulated, and it wasn't a bad idea. It was not <laughs> bad. You can't tell me that that was bad. You know right. that it was good, and you know it could have worked. Okay, Pat. You, no, you know it could have worked. You know it could have. You know what, Pat? While Lana talks on this, pull that up and read it All to right. the audience. I'll Lana, what are your thoughts on this going forward for the um, league? So, for the league, yeah, I agree that... You know, the West is totally just way more people are on the West that are, like, really competitive players. And in terms of Kevin Durant's, like, legacy or something, uh, this this is just, like, horrible. Because he's just proving time and time again that, like, when there's a challenge, okay, just, just, just like, abort ship. Yep. He just, just go, goes go where with, things are already yeah, built. Yeah, just go with where things are already already built. Like, the, the most horrible one was, of course, I still think, you know, the Golden State. Well, of course. Crash. That was by that far was, the worst move oh my ever. Gosh. So that, that, was, that was, like, totally unfair. Okay, and then this comes around, and, like, it's still unfair, However, like I, I don't think they're going to like win, like or maybe even be in the finals. I don't, I don't think. Uh, they have, a, they have a chance, but I'm curious to see how the chemistry with Chris Paul and Kevin Durant is going to play out because Chris Paul has not been playing well this season at all. And I'm curious to see on if Kevin Durant elevates that or if Chris Paul drags Kevin Durant down with him. Is what sure. I'm kind of curious about. You got that trade pulled up, Pat? I do have that Let's trade pulled up. So and you know what, guys? This is, this is before uh, the Clippers traded Luke Kennard okay. to Memphis. I do want to point that I out. I want to hear on our Twitter account at WZIP Sports what you think of this trade, yes or no. So, Go ahead. 
I put down that the Cavs receive either Kawhi Leonard or, or uh, Paul George. One of those two, because we do need a three more than anything. We need a very good three to round out our team. Uh, and we would receive either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George and Luke Kennard. In return, we would give up, and I know this is a lot. I know, it, but like, th- just think about this. Lana is not going to give up this. Ricky Rubio, Karis Levert, Isaac Okoro, two first round picks and two second round picks. I think that move could have worked. If, no. the, if the Nets willingly gave up Kevin Durant after saying time and time again they would not give up Kevin Durant, realistically we could have pushed for a trade like that. Realistically we could have done that and it would have worked. Lana, yeah, I see you. I like, see you kind of debating over there. Yeah, so you think that's worth it? I, I I don't know because yeah, it would be like awesome to have like you know a small forward or something like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George like on the Cavs. Um, however, we're giving up like some of our players that that I think also are still showing potential. Like when Isaac Okoro can be like more consistent and like you know do the double digits like for ca- for the Cavs, I really think that that he can you know evolve into like an amazing player that that could be like our just like a smaller forward, you know. And I know the reason that the Cavs even drafted Okoro was because he was supposed to be like the next Kawhi Leonard because he was he's a very good defensive three, but he does he doesn't have the offensive capabilities and the offensive weaponry that Kawhi Leonard has. I thought that that trade honestly like the only piece that realistically actually hurts us, you know, giving him up is Ricky Rubio. He's like the only piece in that entire trade that honestly hurts us because he does so much for his leadership off the bench and coming onto the court as our sixth man. But I thought it was a good trade because, and then the only reason I thought of it too was because if the Nets, like I said, they willingly gave up Kevin Durant when they were saying time and time again that they were never going to give up Kevin Durant. That's why I thought we could have pursued a trade like that. I, we didn't, but I think that it could have worked. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Pat. We'll see what the people on Twitter say. And by the people on Twitter, I mean Jake Murray and a goat because he's probably <laughs> immediately going to reply to that as soon as he sees it. But let's find out. Let's find out if you guys think Pat's trade could have worked. But we're going to move away from the Kevin Durant trade for now and move into some smaller deals. Actually, I still wouldn't consider this one very small. But the next move would be Russell Westbrook heading to the Utah Jazz, finally done with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Russ got a lot of un... What's the word? He got a lot of unjust... Yes, unjust. ...towards him, but... I can understand it when you go from being the MVP, averaging a triple-double, like being one of the faces of this league to possibly being one of the worst starters I've ever seen in a rotation. Like, I can understand people's frustrations with it. I, myself, I do not like Russell Westbrook at all. But I do think some of the hate that he got was not called for. Very uncalled for. So if Russell Westbrook doesn't stay with the Jazz, which is a possibility... I saw the Clippers and the Heat. Isn't that hilarious, Pat? I know. The Clippers <laughs> and the Heat are the I two teams that are interested him. in... I do. Why? I do want really? him in Miami. Well, and actually, before we get into that, I'll let Lana give her take on the trade itself. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed, yeah, of how the whole Russell Westbrook situation went. Because I did want him to succeed in L.A., you know, with LeBron. Of course. 
and Anthony Davis. Um, however, I still think he he still played you know somewhat of a good role, like because then they switched him to being like a bench player that and he was coming off the bench, you know, still having triple doubles. So I mean, if that was the situation that was working for them, you know, I still think that that was still added you know some value. However, of course, yeah, I miss you know crazy prime Russell Westbrook where he would just, he was just yeah, different. yeah, yeah of he course. was just dominant. MVP Russell Westbrook, yeah, the MVP Russell Westbrook was just crazy dominant. Dominant, and you know, I did want to see you know that MVP Russell Westbrook with LeBron. However, um, it still wasn't like a complete failure. I don't think of like of like him in LA because the, they did figure out a situation at the end. You know, before you know, now he's on the Jazz now. But it, when he was coming off the bench, he still did have you know a lot of triple doubles, and I think it's even like a record of like triple doubles coming off the bench that he now leads. I, I will admit, though, that um, as much as I don't like Russell Westbrook, I I did feel for him. I don't know if uh, any of you saw the clip of him getting asked in the, the press conference, like right when he got traded. Um, but he looked just defeated. I've I personally I've, I've never seen a player just look so deflated and so defeated to learn that he had just been traded. And my I felt for him, like really, you could just see how has you could literally just see like his heart just sink. Because you you know that he wanted to elevate this team. You know that he did everything that he could, but it's just unfortunately he's not the same Russell Westbrook that we've seen in years past. The league has evolved since he was our MVP. And the play style that he has is a play style that it's it's a dying breed. The slashing point guard is a dying breed in the NBA now. And it really hurt. Like I said, I, I don't like the guy, but I felt so bad for him just watching just that look of defeat on his face when the reporter asked, how does it feel that you know you just got traded to the Utah Jazz? And he, he was lost for words for a little bit. He didn't really know how to respond to that, and I just felt horrible. Yeah, I also think it, he had more defeat, too, because that was, like, his hometown, you know? He right. wanted to show off and, like, go out every night for his hometown. And then... You know, I think that's another reason why, because he wanted to make this whole situation like work out for him and his family and everything. And yeah, I do feel bad for him. However, I hope he can still get back to. I still have hope that he'll still get back to this like MVP Russell Westbrook. And Utah could be the place for that, honestly. But it could be. as I mentioned, if he were to be bought out, two destinations are the Heat and the Clippers. Pat Weber, L.A. Clippers <laughs> fan. Logan Congrove, Miami Heat fan. Pat Weber doesn't want Russell Westbrook. Logan Congrove does want Russell Westbrook. Pat, go ahead and go first. All right, here's the thing. I Personally, I don't want to see Russell Westbrook on the Los Angeles Clippers. However, in the trade deadline, the Clippers shipped off all of their point guards. <clears throat> they traded every single point guard that they had. So that does lead me to believe that uh, if Russell Westbrook gets bought out, which is looking like that will happen um, very quickly, um, that he will be making his way to back to L.A., uh, but this time to be with the better team in L.A. and the Los Angeles Clippers. I said I just don't really see how he would fit well with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, especially because, you know, I love Kawhi Leonard. He is my favorite player, but um, his injuries and his playing time consistency are just not great. Plus, we've already seen Russell Westbrook and Paul George play together, and it never worked to begin with. So I just don't really see how he would pan out in L.A. But like I said, with the, all the trades that the uh, Clippers had trading Reggie Jackson and trading John Wall, um, it kind of solidified that we're that they're going to make this major push to get Westbrook when he's bought out. You know, and that actually touches on what Lana said. If he goes to the Clippers, he still would 
be in his hometown. Obviously, and the Lakers a are the, to redeem himself. The Lakers you know? are definitely the more prominent team in LA that kids grow up watching. However, he would still be playing in LA, quite literally in the same arena. I think it makes the most sense for him. But as a Heat fan, and you know, actually, you know, before I even get started, as a Heat fan, not only the Heat, the the eventual 2022 NBA champion, the uh, Miami Heat. The Miami the sounder Heat. for that now? Jake put it in there, so I figured oh, I'd use it for myself my for goodness. once. Right. You know what? No, I was no. going to use it for myself for <laughs> no. once. Had to, had to. The eventual 2022-2023 NBA champion, the Miami Heat, will end up getting Russell Westbrook, and here's why. Because I can't watch Kyle Lowry play another five minutes. I wanted him traded so bad, and I'm so upset that he's still on the team. I think Russell Westbrook, and you guys might agree with me, Russell Westbrook plays better when his teammates are younger. 100%. And the Lakers got a little bit younger towards the end, but I'm talking his first year or two. His teammates were not young. And Russell Westbrook plays better when he can be the guy that is kind of the veteran presence, the leader. I think he would mesh well with Jimmy Butler. I think he'd mesh well with Bam. And then obviously lots of the young guys that play similar to that prime Russell Westbrook you guys spoke on. So I wouldn't mind him being with the... The eventual 2022 NBA champion, the uh, Miami Heat. You can even it. hear this. Pat's groan is actually Stop the funniest it. part of that town. And I know Stop Jake says it. that. <laughs> but yes, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the 305. But moving on, we have D'Angelo Russell, who got traded back to the L.A. Lakers. I was so hyped for this. I love D'Angelo Russell so much. And going into the trade deadline, I said I either want him back in L.A. or I want him back in Brooklyn. One of those two. For sure. I love D'Angelo Russell so much. I think that is a fantastic move for the Lakers because D'Lo was starting to get overshadowed a little bit in Minnesota with uh, Anthony Edwards slowly blossoming into this superstar of a player that we're watching. Um, And I know that D'Angelo Russell still is an all-star. He's still that all-star level player. And uh, putting him in with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I truthfully think that this might be the Lakers reboot. I think that this is the time that the Lakers might be able to make a little bit of a bounce back and possibly sneak into uh, at least the play-in tournament. I wouldn't go that far. Like, I don't think D'Angelo Russell is, like, that good to that, like, he could help with the Lakers' problems of, like, needing more people to, like, contribute. Because if we're being honest, that's, like, basically the problem with the Lakers is that, like, LeBron's, like, over here, you know, averaging, like, 30 every night. And then, like, Anthony Davis is, like, either hurt or, like, not, or, like, and, like, when he does, when he is um, healthy, like, it's amazing, and you'd love to see that. However, like, I don't think, like, D'Angelo Russell is going to be the one that that comes in and, like, totally flips the Lakers. Absolutely. I'm going to say a couple more trades, but we won't elaborate on all of them. Pat Bev traded to the Magic for Mo Bamba moments after tweeting about how excited he was to be back with D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I did find that one pretty funny. Mo Bamba will be a great addition for the Lakers. 100%. But, yeah. But if we're going to talk about things that are funny, what's even funnier is that John Wall got traded back to the Houston Rockets yeah, after great. going on an absolute tangent about how horrible the Rockets were and how horrible <laughs> his experience were. Man, as soon as I saw that, I was crying, laughing. All the clips of him saying, Oh yeah, they trash. I'm the. I hated it there. They're terrible. I'm never he, playing there again. Like, oh, it'd be different God. if he actually did something for the Clippers, but he played one game and that's like it. Yeah, he. Like, I'm so sorry. I, that's embarrassing. It's just weird because you look back on it. and John Wall used to be one of the best players in the league at one point, and to just see where he's gone, I just can't believe they it. they got to get him back it's to the, the, the Wizards somehow. It's, it's yeah. the same way with D Rose when you look at it. It's like 
We can only tell the stories of how great they were. Right. You can't relive what they used to do. He is definitely not playing for the Rockets. I'm telling you right now. He'll get bought out. 100%. He'll get bought out or he'll just sit the whole season. going to have a riot. There's no way he (laughs) enters that locker room without getting smacked in the face. Facts. Next question or next trade we have is James Wiseman to the Pistons. And this one is actually in jeopardy. We are getting close to our break. So we'll talk about this quickly. With the Gary Payton trade being a part of this, Gary Payton failed his physical, and the Warriors actually just moments ago filed a complaint on this. So if this trade falls through, it might not even happen. If it goes through, do you guys think this is a good trade? Honestly, I do, because James Wiseman has done nothing since he's been uh, drafted to the Golden State Warriors. I think that slotting him in with the Pistons is a better way for him to kind of spark his career back up. You know, you do want to go to a team that isn't succeeding. You want to go to a failing team if you want to spark it back up. That way, you know, I don't want to say it's a similar thing like what we touched on earlier with Imani Bates, but that's kind of what James Wiseman is going to have to view uh, him getting traded, if it goes through, is that he's going to have to be the main guy, so he has to focus on his stats. That way he can eventually make his way back onto a roster of a team that can actually compete in the NBA. Absolutely. And before we go to break, obviously we have to touch on the Cavaliers, but there's not much to touch on. The Cavaliers stood pat, did not make any trades, despite looking for deals for Osmond, looking for deals for Karis LeVert, looking for deals for Kevin Love. Nothing. Lana, I want to push this one over to you, and this will be our Around the Rue question as soon as Lana finishes her analysis. Do you think that the Cavs were smart for staying pat? Yeah, I think so. I, I love the Cavs team that they have right now. And I think that they, there needs to be, you know, at least give it a season, you know, with this sure. exact team and then see how it goes. And then if, you know, there are available trades that, you know, can help the Cavs, of course. then look into that for sure. You know, and Kobe we trust. Kobe Altman knows me by name. One of the coolest <laughs> guys I've ever met. Kobe Altman, shout out to you. You'll be in our SBT intro here soon. Thanks for that soundbite. And this will be our around the root question. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Lana gave her analysis. Is the Cavs' window of opportunity now? With the Nets giving up, the Cavs now have a chance to have home court advantage. We already got Lana's take on it. So make sure you head over to our Twitter account on WZIP Sports. It will be posted immediately after the show to give us your answer on if you think the Cavs window of opportunity is now and that's going to do it for our nba trade deadline segment to round out our show we're going to head into the super bowl and nfl honors you will not want to miss it it is super bowl sunday and we got a lot of pack for you in this final segment so stick with us right here on z88 Welcome back to Sports Power Talk. We are in our final segment of today's show. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You know you're in the best place to hear about it, and that is Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Conger. Joining me is Pat Weber. Go Birds. And Lana Sow. Yeah, go Eagles. Go Eagles, indeed. I'm wearing my Marcus Anderson-provided Randall Cunningham Eagles throwback jersey today. Marcus, appreciate you, man. Hope you're listening to the show. Fly, Eagles, fly. Before we get into the Super Bowl, Let's talk a little bit about the NFL honors, which did happen just a few nights ago. Starting off with, we'll start with the rookies. And our Offensive Rookie of the Year for this season was from the Ohio State University, Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets. And it's crazy because this could have gone in two different ways and I would have been okay with it. But I think Garrett Wilson was the right pick. Push this one over to you guys. What do you think on this award? Garrett Wilson was 100% the most deserving rookie to get this award. He was phenomenal for the New York Jets. Obviously, the Jets had a very disappointing end to their season, but you can't deny that Garrett Wilson has already established himself as the dominant wide receiver one in that locker room. 
Yeah, Absolutely. I totally agree. I'm really proud of the OSU alum. And, yeah, looking forward to see how he can contribute even more, hopefully, to the Jets. The only other rookie that I would have allowed is a little man from Georgia. No! That later. Pat, that was not where I thought you were going with that. I was not a smile at you. See? I, see, see? Are you I'm being saying, serious? I am. You think George Pickens? Yeah, he, he was definitely a contender. Like, realistically, if you have Kenny Over Pickett, Chris Olave. Honestly, okay, you know what? It's a kind of a toss-up. Just because, I mean... my if, two were Olave and Garrett Wilson. If, if you look at Olave and you look... Yeah, I know that they also didn't have the best quarterback, you know, trying to throw him the ball, but Pickens has Kenny Pickett throwing him the ball. So, like... Pickett's I, I was, good. I was, I was, no... Okay, you know what? Pat, why do you hate us. on him so I, much? I just don't like him. I, I did not want to stick a quarterback, and I didn't want to stick Kenny Pickett. Now, I did say that... He has a little bit of my respect, but I still don't like him. And let's be honest, okay. some of the balls that he throws are just okay. awful. And Pickens, he catches everything. That's what I was looking at. I was taking a look at the quarterback play alone where, yeah, Olave had a phenomenal season. I'm not taking that away. He was definitely in the top three runnings for rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. But I just think that the quarterback play for the Steelers was so much worse. That, like, the fact that Pickens caught almost every ball that was thrown his way, regardless on how covered he was, I think that that reason alone and the uh, contributions he made to the team were just far more outstanding than Olave with the Saints. But that's just my opinion. Okay. Good take, Pat. Next up, we have our Defensive Rookie of the Year. And this guy is one of my favorite players in the league. And his name is Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is your Defensive Rookie of the Year, also from the New York Jets. They swept both awards. So great job by the front office of the New York Jets there. What are your guys' thoughts on Sauce Gardner? Did he have any competition? Because I don't really think he did. There was nobody else that was going to compete with him at all. It wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, if you're a Jets fan, you like it can only go up from here because they were last in the AFC East. So, I mean, you can only go up from here. And if you have these amazing rookies, you know. I do want to mention one thing that one of my good friends and also one of my uh, fraternity brothers, Peyton, just texted me. We kind of forgot about Kenneth Walker. We kind of forgot that he did light it up. He did okay, light it up. yeah. He did light it up. That's I, actually a great point. I, I did kind of forget about him because he was definitely one of those sleeper picks coming into the draft regardless, and he had a phenomenal rookie season. He did. Honestly, you know what? It's going to pain me to say this, but I'm going to bump George Pickens out of the top three. <laughs> he shouldn't even have been there. But. I'm going to have Alave and then Walker in there because they the Walker, I forgot, I forgot he had a phenomenal season. Like He was playing at a level where it was almost like he had been in the league for a while. That's why I kind of forgot about him, the level that he kind of played at. Obviously, it was nowhere close to Garrett Wilson, but still, seeing the impact that he left, it was almost like he was more of that veteran-style player. That's why I kind of forgot he was a rookie, because of the contributions that he made um, were so significant in that Seahawks run that it, I, I just kind of overlooked it, honestly. I feel terrible for that. Yeah, I definitely overlooked it as well. So, Sauce Gardner is your defensive rookie of the year. Next up, we have... Your Offensive Player of the Year. Also, I don't think this one had much dispute. Justin Jefferson wins that one from the Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts? Like, I I know he deserved it. I know that he was the one to win it, but I just don't like Justin Jefferson. Why? If you want to know, it's literally because of, like, like his fan base. I just hate them all so much. They're all Fortnite kids. And I can't. That's a fair fair point. If I go on TikTok, like, one more time, and I see a Justin Jefferson like Fortnite edit, I'm probably just going to delete the app. 
it's all the time because like obviously like my free page is very catered towards sports but I am so sick and tired of just seeing Justin Jefferson everywhere. Like, I get it. He's very, very good, but I don't need to see him, like, every waking moment of my life. And I hate the fact that the NBA just – or not the NBA, the NFL, pardon me. Just They just idolize – every season they pick one player to just overly idolize, and this year was Justin Jefferson. And I hate whoever they do it to because it's just like you're just shoving whoever they are down our throats, and it's just not enjoyable. It doesn't make me want to watch them play. It makes me not want to watch him play and make me eventually end up resenting him because it's like – Stop, like, literally stop, like, anything that he did. They're like, oh, look at what he did. And I'm like, okay, cool. There's eight other players that have made plays that are way better, but you're, you only care because it's Justin Jefferson. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen catches that were promoted time and time again. And they're like, we can't believe this catch. I'm like, I just watched, like, uh, Amari Cooper do something way better or something. Or I just watched George uh, Pickens do something way better. You really love George Pickens, man. Putting a lot of weight on George Pickens. No, I'm just saying that, like, I, I just don't <laughs> like that they just shove Justin Jefferson down our throats. It's just so annoying. That's a good point. Mana? Yeah, I see, I see what you mean, but that but that catch um, <laughs> specifically, like the the moment it won the moment of the year, the Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson's catch versus the Bills. I mean, that was a really good catch. It was it, a good catch, but like, I like how did he keep it? He still like that was crazy. He was defended right, and he still had possession the whole time, even when he fell. Like that was crazy. So I mean I can't take it away that he's a great wide receiver. I just hate the fact that like I said they just overly they overly idolize one player every year and then they just build up all this hype and it's just God, it is so annoying. <laughs> it's like the best way to put it. I hate looking at Bleacher Report and all I see is like either LeBron James or Justin Jefferson. I'm like, listen, I get it, but like can we look at some other players, please? Like, I don't want to see Justin Jefferson every waking moment of my life. Yeah, I agree. Justin Jefferson definitely, in my opinion, deserved it. But I could see your point there, Pat. Defensive player of the year was Nick Bosa, defensive end from the San Francisco 49ers. Thoughts? L. L. Should have been Micah Parsons. Ooh, it should have yeah. been Micah Parsons. I don't like the Cowboys, but, man, I, Micah Parsons is an animal, and it should have been him. Now, I understand that Bosa did lead the league in sacks, but I just think as an overall scheme of things that Micah Parsons was well, he was way more deserving of that award. Yeah. Lana? Um, I think Nick Bosa did okay, you know, and um, he's a also a fellow OSU alum. So Ohio State was really showing out for the awards yeah. this year. Yeah, you know, I always I I like Ohio State, but I have to ask you guys this: differ from the outline a little bit. Do you guys enjoy that? Actually, let me rephrase my question. Do you find it odd that students at the University of Akron wear? Ohio State gear or any other school's gear on campus? Because I'm an Ohio State fan, but I would never wear Ohio State gear on campus here. Um, I I would say, yeah, although I am guilty of, obvious, I, I do wear uh, my Penn State hoodie from time to time. I'm literally wearing it under my jersey right now. Cause That's it's the only, honestly... It's the only white hoodie I have. Ohio but. State bothers me a little bit more than others because it kind of makes us look like we're like some branch campus. Yeah, not. see, I completely agree with that. So it's one thing because like, you can go to any Mac schools and obviously you're going to see people wearing not Mac college. For sure. Because you know what I mean? Like, if you're a fan of whatever college team, you know, and you're in a Mac school, obviously you're going to still support that team. It's like any other sporting franchise. But I do agree. It is very weird that I walk around and it's like, all right, am I at the University of Akron or am I at... <laughs> Uh, the Ohio State uh, branch campus, Akron. Like, like what, like what, are, what are we doing here? For sure, I understand that. You know, we're not good at a lot of like we're not good at football. I get that, but like, 
as somebody who loves the Zips, we're good at about everything. And I personally think that the school spirit on this campus is like downright horrendous. Like it's bad. It's pretty bad. I, I won't lie to you. I've I've personally have never been to like a school where like I, I understand like you know we we don't have a lot going for us in the city of Akron, but just have some whoa, pride whoa, in your whoa. school. Akron's have some awesome. pride in your school. You know what I mean? For Take sure. Take pride in where you are. I don't think that you should just go around repping another college all the time. Be proud of where you are. We're a, we're a prestigious school, regardless of what the outlying area might seem. We're one of the best engineering schools. And not not just in Ohio, in the United States, and that's something to be proud of. Like you, you have every right to show some school spirit, but I just wish that we would, and we just zip students just they just don't. Lana? Yeah, I definitely think it's weird if you're you know you're a student at the University of Akron, you should have that pride for sure. And um, yeah, I I also think that like. Like at the Zips games, though, it's it's fun still because we still have like the AK Rowdies and the, that that is a, a huge school spirit. Like again, going back to the Kent State, I, like I will never forget that because it was so fun. It was really fun, and those are the types of people that I love at the University of Akron. Those people that love Zips pride, and you should be proud to be a Zip every day. If we could get the turnout and the energy that we had at the Jar for the Kent State game at almost every home game and i'm not talking like a sellout but i'm talking like an 80 percent like actually fill the jar consistently um we as a school our enrollment would probably be in the 20,000s easily because why do people come to college Uh, yes for academics but another reason they come to college is they want to go and they want to experience the college life they want to go to the sporting events and nobody shows up for any zip sporting events at all the only ones they show up to are basketball games against Kent because that's the one that we know we can win. And it's kind of, it's a little bit frustrating because it's like all we have to do is have the student body just come out and support, and that's all we need. Just come out, be loud, be proud to be a zip. But nobody really does, and it's kind of frustrating in a way. Absolutely. You know, good discussion there. I agree. My one friend posed that question to me not that long ago, and that's the reason I asked. He's a frequent listener of the show. So hopefully you heard. Matt, that one was for you. But let's continue with the NFL honors as we do have to get into the Super Bowl here shortly. Coach of the year was Brian Dabble of the New York Giants. For me, no question. Perfect. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I think Brian Dabble did an excellent job with the New York Giants this year. He was Absolutely not expected to do that in one season, make the playoffs, especially with Daniel Jones as your quarterback. I, I will. I, will. I don't like the opinion up here that Danny jo- Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes is a good quarterback. Hey, Danny Dimes, baby. <laughs> I, will, quiet, I, will pop this, I will. I'm muting your mic. I will pop this question for you though. And Coach of the year, if it wasn't going, okay, who in your opinion was the second most deserving? I'm just kind of curious on this. Doug Peterson. Okay. For the Jaguars. Okay. Why? Who's your it. pick? I would have to go Doug Peterson as well. I'm not going to lie. I know you're probably thinking I was going to say Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I listen, I just think it's time that, in my opinion, Tomlin, she deserves the award at some point. I mean, come on. <laughs> what are we, 16 consecutive? Uh, at least 500. This Homer, better. man. Oh, yeah. Shush. Shush. <laughs> hey, I, Lana. Did, I, didn't put him on, I didn't put him at number two, though. Lana, do you agree? Well, I guess who would be your secondary pick if not? I guess there's, I didn't even really think that there'd even be a dispute. As long as it's not, I don't think it's Mike Tomlin. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm fine with the the Giants, the Brian. I, I would say that Doug Peterson was definitely, if it was, he was definitely the second most deserving. Though I completely agree, he really turned Jacksonville around in a season. Absolutely, and then next up we have our MVP 
which was Patrick Mahomes. What an L. Yeah, I don't know if I like that one. What an L. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Thank you. I am so sorry, but Patrick Mahomes is one of those players that, again, the NFL has over-idolized that man since he came into the league, and it's ridiculous. Like, yes, he's a very good quarterback, but when he does the most basic things, and I have to just watch five different clips of him doing the exact same thing, when I can watch any other quarterback do that, I just don't get it. I also don't think he played that well this season. Yeah, you made the Super Bowl. You played very well. for Granted, for the wide receiving core that you had, you did play pretty well. But Jalen Hurts was the best player in the league. And you just didn't give it to him probably because he's not, he's not the fan favorite. He's not going to draw the names. That's, that's why. And I just... I hate how biased these awards can really be just based on a player's name. Yeah, I agree. I would have gone with Jalen Hurts. Not their name. Lana? Yeah, well, hopefully Jalen Hurts gets at least a Super Bowl with W, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine with Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. Um, however, you know, I do hope that the Eagles win tonight. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Fly, <laughs> Eagles, fly. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts getting snubbed from MVP is going to add fuel to the fire for the Eagles. I think the Eagles are gonna, they're gonna win, but I think that's gonna add fuel to the fire. I think that's gonna propel Jalen Hurts to really show up today. I think so too. And before we get into the Super Bowl for our last couple minutes of the show, I wanted to get into the Pro Bowl, and mm. it's not even really the Pro Bowl anymore. Do you guys think that this new format worked or not? Because I don't. Here's my take on it. Before I let you guys speak on this, I think that this should just be a title at this point. There doesn't need to be a game. That we, they don't, they don't got to go play flag football because apparently people still get hurt. You know, By the way, that was Russell Wilson's idea to play flag football. He told the commissioner that was what they should do. Oh, Russell well, Wilson is a walking L, bro. He is so weird. That is so, Imagine going into the commissioner's office, hey, you want to play some flag football? No, bro, just take the title. And, like, why do you even have a say? You're definitely not a pro bowler anymore. That's my take on him. But I just think... Like, why does there have to be a game anymore? Especially when some of the guys that are in the Pro Bowl are at the Super Bowl. Some of the best players are not even there. I think it should just be a title at this point. Yeah, either be a title or if you're going to do the Pro Bowl, make it after the Super Bowl. That way the people that actually got nominated to be Pro Bowlers can play. But I thought, like, I'm going to be so honest, that might have been, like, the first NFL game that I have not turned on. It wasn't a game. watch it. I don't understand. I didn't what, even know what was happening. I didn't even. I don't understand the appeal of. All right, let's get Allegiant Stadium, one of the best stadiums in the league, and then let's go ahead and slap a what, like a forty-yard piece of turf, yes. and then have people play flag football. I don't. That was the dumbest thing ever. And like you said, people players still got hurt, so it makes no difference. Just get rid of it. Get rid of the Pro Bowl. It. It's the one. It's this is the only sport that like an all-star type game like this can't work. I am so sorry, but it just does not work. Lana? Yeah, I agree. Like the fact that <laughs> Miles Garrett still got hurt <laughs> is like. Of course, what? it would be a Browns player too. Yeah, it of would course, be of the, course. Yeah, we're already down. We're already the Browns. It's are the curse. Already... It's the Browns curse. The now, you can't even speak on it, man. You <laughs> no, I know I can't. But as an outside observer of what the Browns have gone through, I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not surprised. Okay, I'll take it, Pat. I feel you, for you though. I, I do feel you? bad for you guys. I do. I will say one thing, though, that's good for Browns fans is Joe Thomas. Yes, you know, absolutely. Being now in the class of 2023 Hall of Fame. So. I can't lie. Yeah, what, like literally the, the best offensive lineman of all time, like by far. I won't even lie to you. For sure. 
and apparently the first offensive lineman in NFL history. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, the Pro Bowl, definitely not working. Huge congratulations to Joe Thomas on that. That's very big for the Browns. And hopefully WZIP will be able to cover the Hall of Fame ceremony once again, as we did last year. But let's talk a little bit about, of course, it is Super Bowl Sunday, the best Sunday. I think it should be a national holiday. I'm going to give it a round of applause. Super Bowl Sunday, once again, does not include the Cleveland Browns, but it does include the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. The battle of the Kelsey Bros, the Andy Reid Bowl, as some are calling it, should be a great game tonight. Guys, what is your take on tonight's matchup? The Eagles are going to win this. I think that it's. I don't think it's going to be a blowout win. I do think it's going to be decided by either a field goal or a touchdown. Um, but I do have the Eagles walking away with this win in the Super Bowl. Yes, I'm hoping that the Eagles win as well. I thought it was funny on Twitter. There was this trending tweet, and it was saying they leaked the script, and it, it had the Eagles winning 37 to 34. So if that happens, that just uh, that just proves that the NFL is indeed rigged. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. You know, guys, I think this will be a really great game, and obviously a matchup between the Kelsey brothers. Could be Jason Kelsey's final game in the league, but I just think that the Eagles' offensive firepower is going to be too much for the Chiefs' defense. 100%. The Chiefs' defense is a very weak defense to begin with, and then you're putting up arguably the best offensive line in the league right now, two of the best wide receivers in the league, who the man who should have won MVP, and you're going to try to stop him? Good luck. That's all I have to say about that. Good luck. Lana? Agree. Go Eagles. Fly (laughs) Eagles, fly indeed. So let's get into a little bit of a game. And this is something that we do every year here on Sports Power Talk. And they're just little Super Bowl prop bets. So I'm going to start off with this one. Offensive and defensive leader for each team. Pat, go ahead and go first. Hmm. Ooh. I don't know. This is a lot to think about because you're, you're you're literally pitching up two of the highest powered offenses. I, mm, I'm gonna send it to Lana real quick. I gotta I gotta think about this. Lana, one do you have your leaders? So we, we um for offense, I'm gonna say Jalen Hurts. In rushing or passing, you think? What do you think he does more of tonight? Passing. Yeah, hopefully passing. Um, in defensive. That one, I'm, I'm not it's sure. It's kind of tough. Yeah. This is rough. I think I will agree, though, with Jalen Hurts being the offensive leader. And for defense, ooh, I think mm, this is this is a tough one because, oh, my God. Um, Man, Pat is struggling on this one. This I is am, a tough I'm, question. I'm thinking, I, ooh, Darius Slay. Yes, I think, that I think was my pick. Darius Slay. Oh, yeah, that or him or James Bradbury, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think Bradbury might have a showing tonight in the Super Bowl. I just don't think that the Chiefs are really going to be as great as people think they are. I don't think so game. either because I'm sorry, but like the only notable two players you have on your team are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Other than that, like the only other player I know is Juju. And uh, yeah, nah. no, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, we got the coin flip: heads or tails? Heads. Heads okay. all day. So I'm going to say heads. <laughs> I'm going to go with tails just to spite both right. of you. All right. 
Next up, we have Gatorade Color, which if you don't know what this means as a listener, this is what color will the Gatorade be that is poured on the head of the head, winning head coach? It's going to be it's going to be yellow. I feel like every what time What makes you say yellow? I feel like every time I see like in a football game it's always yellow Gatorade. I I feel like it's always yellow, so I'm going to stick with yellow. If not yellow, then probably blue. Okay, Lana. Yeah, I guess the common one too, because like I I don't really see like I wanted to say like green or something because like that's like Eagles like colors, but like I've never seen really seen like green. Right, you have a green one. But if you drink the green Gatorade, you're vile. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you drink the cucumber Gatorade, you're disgusting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then next up, well, my pick for the Gatorade color is going to be blue. I just feel right. like it's going to be blue. Blue or yellow. It's, it's, it's got to be yeah, blue for or sure, yellow. For sure. like no other color. <laughs> yeah. Who scores first? And I'm talking more in the sense of a player. What player on either team do you think scores first? I think that... Travis Kelsey is going to score the first touchdown of the game for the Chiefs, receiving touchdown. No, I'm hoping it's going to be like um, a QB rush for from Jalen Hurts. Gotcha. So, I'm yeah. going Miles Sanders, rushing touchdown Ooh, of the right, Eagles. Right. And then method of the first score, so obviously what I said, rushing. Uh, passing touchdown. And yeah. rushing touchdown, mm-hmm. quarterback rush for Lana. Yes. All right, this one is one that I came up with on my own. Half length of the halftime show. How long do you think the halftime show will last? I'm giving it 45 minutes. I 45 like, wow. minutes? I feel like it's yeah, that's go crazy. Long. I feel like it's going to go long. <laughs> that's a little bit much. I, but I feel like it's going to go long. I just I have that gut feel that this is going to be a long halftime show. Lana? I'm going to say like 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to go 25 to 30 minutes for the halftime length. Uh, Super Bowl MVP? Uh, Jalen Hurts because uh should have won... Regular season MVP, so when he comes out and he shows out against the Chiefs, you might as well give him the MVP for that. Yes, completely agree. Go on Darius Slay. All right. It's <laughs> usually some weird, obscure player, if you think about it, Other than, if, unless your name is Tom Brady. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go with Darius Slay, the corner, for the Eagles when they do evidently win, especially because no t- nobody, there's been one player in NFL history to win on the losing team. So if we're all picking the Eagles, it's got to be an Eagle. I'm going Darius Slay. And score prediction is our last prop. But before we get into something that I didn't put in the outline before we end our show. All right. I think for the score, I'm going to go 28-21 Eagles. I'm going to stick with that that fit, that tweet. And if it's right, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, I'm going, the Yeah, that they leaked the script then. I'm going to say 37-34 Eagles win. I'm going to go 28-21 Eagles. That's what there I'm we go. Yeah. There we go. Yes. That's my score prediction. And then you guys thought I forgot, didn't you? I didn't forget. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. The kid from Akron is the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. <laughs> Just the kid from Akron. This is really cool and probably never going to get broken again, if we're being honest. I completely agree. I I think and I think it's pretty well known that I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. But I, I do believe that with this passing uh, of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's milestone, that there is undisputedly, there's, there's no more debate on who the greatest player of all time is. It has to be LeBron at, at this point. It has to be. I'm sorry, but I, he just passed Kareem, and he's still playing like he's in his prime. Yeah. There's no stopping LeBron at all. Like you said, he's just the kid from Akron. And look where he is. Lana, you were the one that was 
adamant about talking about this. So, yeah, I'm I'm just so proud of LeBron, and um, I thought it was crazy. So when it was LeBron's birthday, Kareem had an old tweet, like or he had a tweet on LeBron's birthday, right? And he was like, "Happy birthday, LeBron!" Um, Thirty, like it was the thirty eighth birthday, right? And then he was like. 38 is the new 38388. So I think it's crazy that 38-year-old LeBron is now that he passed Kareem for 38,388 points. Like, just the numbers aligning. It's very impressive. It's poetic justice in a way. I'm just, I was blown away. I couldn't believe that that record that has been standing for over 30 years finally got snapped but i mean hey who else hey who i've said on these thing? i've yeah. said on these airwaves many times that i'm not a big lebron james fan and i didn't think he was the goat i have finally turned my opinion i'm not saying that i like am in love with lebron james but i definitely have turned my opinion as a cavaliers fan as a miami heat fan i'm going to retract all of my previous statements and say lebron I appreciate it, man. I appreciate everything you've done. The GOAT. Congratulations on being the all-time leading scorer. Guys, that is going to do it for our show here today. It's been a great show. We talked about the Akron Zips. We talked about the Cavaliers. We did some hot mic. We talked about the trade deadline and finished up with the Super Bowl. And the now undisputed grace of all-time player, LeBron James, the kid from Akron. Any final thoughts for today's show? As always, go Zips and go Birds. Fly Eagles, fly. Let's beat the Chiefs. Yes, facts, and love LeBron. Check out Alex Henry's Not Your Everyday MMA podcast and Jake Murren's Forged in Ohio podcast. They both work so hard on both of those things, and they're both doing great things in their own aspects right now. Make sure to check them out on all major streaming platforms. Joining me today was... Pat Weber. And Lana Tsao. And I'm Logan Congrove. Stay tuned for Entertainment Rebooted up next right here on WZIP. You're not going to want to miss it. Matt Permuka, one of our sports members, is featured on this week's episode. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.